1: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 340 of So You Want To Be A Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina?
2: I'm great, Valerie, but more to the point, how are you? Have you come down oh. from your Hamilton uh, like opening night, excuse oh. me, and excuse me, front row, front row experience? Middle. And I, I just I can just picture you, like, did you cry with the tears yes, of joy? Yes, there were tears. Of there course. were
1: tears. Uh, I, I, am, I am riding high. I was fortunate enough, thank you, to Ra, who um, uh, is also involved in this podcast. Um, I went as her plus one to the Australian premiere of Hamilton and it was absolutely fantastic. We had front row middle tickets and it was just world class. The cast was incredible and it was just so wonderful to be in a situation where we were able to go out. It was a full theatre, 100% capacity. We all uh, had to wear masks.
2: 100%? Really? That's amazing. Yeah.
1: We all had to um, wear masks, and uh, but th- that was fine. Everyone did, and everyone just absolutely had the most wonderful experience because it's been so long since live theatre has been possible, you know, a year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because of the current world situation. But... Um, it it happened, and you know, one of the producers um, of the original New York production came. He did his fourteen days hotel quarantine, and he w- he spoke briefly at the end of the performance, and he was saying, you know, look around, look around, how lucky are we to to be alive right now, being able to experience this? That that their lyrics from Hamilton, and um, uh, he was saying that you know we're just so fortunate to be in this situation in this country where we're able to basically live normal life. Um, yeah. I know that in my That's... state last night at midnight, restrictions got lifted um, on almost everything, you know, we no longer have to wear masks on public transport and all that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, it's, it's and you know it might change on a dime but yeah, at the moment it does, yeah, because of yeah. the what we've you know this like this producer was saying because of the self discipline and self sacrifice that yeah. many people have gone through we're able to be in this position so um I Feel very grateful and very thankful that I was able to experience Hamilton because you know I'm obsessed with Hamilton. I know oh, it's
2: an amazing and it's and, and it does. And by the way, if you've tuned in, this is not uh, this so is, you want to yeah. dissect the theatre. No, this is a sorry. photography podcast, and hello to all our new listeners. We've had quite a bunch of new listeners, so welcome to the show. Uh, yes, because we like a t- bit of today. Um, we're talking we...
1: about. How to shoot, just to remind everyone, we're going to talk about photography. We are going to talk about how to shoot great portraits under extreme time pressure and poor lighting conditions but thank you yeah. gina for indulging me in what i'm very excited No, we do
2: about. We, but, but we do like to touch base and uh connect first and you know what it's important and it's like if i'm going to bring this back to photography uh you don't just walk up to someone whose portrait you want to take and go yeah how you go mate all right stand there great mm. smile great you will get what you put in, so it's important in life and in photography to um, you know warm up, connect with people, and that's exactly what we're doing. And We're also connecting with you so that we do this little bit of chit chat at the start, just so everyone's grounded and and uh, you know in their bodies and thinking about uh, what we're going to talk about. But it's like when you talked about. Um, seeing the show with a full house, Valerie, Mm. the energy must have been amazing because, you know, in the theatre, performers, musicians, comedians... And, uh, you know, musical theater performers feed off the energy in the room. And, and, you know, again, it's like photography. The energy that you bring to a shoot, the energy that you bring to a performance, the energy that the audience gives those performers can make or break the show. And that's what's so exciting about um, seeing the theater. And it, it can be a different show every night depending on where the audience Uh, can take the show. Do you agree? Like you, you, you you go home on a high and there's nothing quite like, you know, they say, Oh, we can watch it on zoom. But when, you know, watching a movie, you know, at home alone is a very different experience to watching it um, with a whole audience that are laughing or, or or sighing or afraid all at the same time. And the same with something like Hamilton where obviously everyone there was a super fan on the Night Vale and the adrenaline must have been amazing. Oh, it was
1: absolutely amazing. So um, just brilliant. Just brilliant. Yeah. You know? Well, that's fantastic. Mm, absolutely. Um, and it was just great to be able to be so close, you know, front row and to see the orchestra yes. and to see all the expressions on their faces um just brilliant so you know uh
2: unforgettable is the word what has been happening with you well i just want to connect back to uh theater production so Mm. like as photographers we are often will get the opportunity to shoot theatre. So if you ever do get the chance, like a, pro- a professional uh, theatre play or even student theatre, it's worth the experience to be part of that crew because uh, there's nothing like it. It really is a, a real team effort. But you know what you want to try and do is if you've been invited to shoot the cast, Uh, performing is to try and get, find out when the rehearsals are and try and get to shoot the the full dress rehearsal because what you can do is move around freely. Mm. Whereas when they're actually performing obviously you can't move around freely because you're going to be blocking the um, people in the audience. Yes. So that's a, a great opportunity uh, to shoot. And yeah, if you ever get a chance, say yes, do it. Cause it's, uh, you, 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 feel like you're part of the crew and the team and you cheer, you, you, you're on the sidelines, you know, cheering the person on to, oh yeah, they got that note or, mm. oh, that was different. Especially when you get to see it over the course of a few nights.
1: You know, it was interesting what some photographers did uh, on the red carpet. So basically the red carpet, um, uh, the celebrities walk down the red carpet and then at some point in the red carpet there's the brag wall, right, that's got yep. the Hamilton logos and whatever it is on, uh, on on the back of the wall so that the celebrities get shot against the wall. And there's a the whole lighting set up there and – you know they they do all of their um shots there but what some clever photographers did who were not associated with the event is mm-hmm. they stood just after that so just after the celebrities do that yeah. um that bit and as they're exiting that little mini you know backdrop Yep. um that the these photographers were getting were asking them to pose and they were getting these great shots of all of these celebrities you know um without having to organize anything
2: (laughs) and then to try and go on and on sell those images but if i was the publicist of the event i would be taking note of every single one of those photographers and you know not inviting them next time so it's (laughs) like it's but it is it is a game you know it like it's you've been invited you've been given the right to take these photos you've been allowed on the red carpet I think that's a bit of an a-hole act to do that, quite frankly, as a photographer. Like, you, you look after the, the people who look after you. Mm. So, yes, you could get some some tight shots where you blur out the brag wall in the background or, or something. But, like, you, you need to get those shots and look after the client, I think. Mm, mm,
1: mm. Now, these were just random people of the public. Oh,
2: random public people. Yeah. Oh, right. Fair enough. Mm. Who oh, well. had every
1: right to be there.
2: Um, yeah. And but they didn't want all the stuff in the background. Pardon? They just wanted nice shots of the celebrities. Basically, yes. So that they could say and... they've shot, you know, <laughs> so Did you, did you pose is. for the press, Val? No, Gina. They not calling didn't. out your name, Val, 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 rah, rah, rah. <laughs> no. And you worked the camera, you had all your poses down, <laughs> you know, got yourself on page, what is it, page three? We, what's we, the, we posed what's for the,
1: ourselves.
2: <laughs> yeah, I saw that. You did a great job too. I saw the uh, the whole, it was like a, a complete photo shoot out the front there, which was fantastic. <laughs> um,
1: well, what, what else has been happening with you, Gina?
2: Oh, I've had a – I'm just wiped. Like, so now I've just done these two massive back-to-back shoots, which were just huge by any standard. So, like, by the end of the day, it was just like I, I could not even speak. So um, – but fun and, and enjoyable, but a lot of uh, moving around and having to break, like, n- not just one set, like, multiple, multiple sets – changes and having to contend with sunlight going in and out clouds and you know having to create shade and then then the sun went away and we're having to manufacture daylight and but also get multiple looks with multiple uh different cast members uh and models so um that's what sort of gave me the idea to do um this topic for this week so sort of the takeaways I have from doing something like that to how to shoot great portraits under extreme pressure which happens a lot more these days and also how to you know contend with poor lighting also been working with the goldies Val and again these guys are just continually uh take their work to the next level so we've got cc's constructive critiques coming up this weekend so what happens is the gold members pre-submit their images to me and i will record um a video for them with uh you know my my uh constructive critiques on the image and how to take that image to the next level and often it'll involve me showing them new techniques like editing techniques we've got all sorts of like different levels of photographers Val so we've got like new photographers that are coming in and it's like you know I've just I've just started learning how to shoot in manual mode so those photographers are out there doing their manual mode drills and then we've got like the next level where they might be using learning how to use flash on camera and so working with that so that they're preparing for uh, future events that they've got happening like they might have a a wedding that they've got to shoot so I've got them out there doing drills so that they really learn how to focus on the run and how to work with uh, flash on camera and how to you know uh, manipulate the light so that it all looks natural then you take it to the next level we've got photographers learning how to light with flash on camera and how to light beautiful uh, corporate uh, headshots or artier headshots and so we've got all those drills going on and then there's some of the some of the goldies that have been around for a while and now branching out and doing their own composite photography or a higher level of Uh, photography so it's not just like one level we cater to all levels Val and it's really exciting to see you know a when they um that 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 thing that I've been teaching again and again finally clicks and we've had like a lot of comments about that oh I finally got I understood this and now I've taken it to the next level it's just lovely and exciting to watch val i'm very proud of the gold yeah i
1: think that's um such a fantastic community to be in and if you'd like to find out a little bit more about the gold community have a listen to this
2: This podcast is brought to you by the Gold Community. If you're wondering what it's like to be a member of the Gold Community over at GinaMilitia.com, I asked Heather Humphrey why she joined.
3: When I found the podcast, there was a lot of learning. And then when you offered the Gold Community, I was, I was, I jumped right on it. Knowing that the resources are there. I may not be able to do anything today, but I know that I can get into the computer or I need to do something with my images. I can search for a tutorial if I'm doing post-editing and, get a refresher. You know, I reach out to the community and hey guys, help me out. I can't think anymore. What should I do? What can I do? And I got several great ideas. Those resources are there. Those people are there to support me anytime I need them. You have always responded every time we ask a question and the feedback, when I send in the critique, they have been spot on and you always have great suggestions and you point me in different directions and they have been nothing but positive. I have the confidence now to, that I can charge other people for my services and, and provide them with images that I know that they value as well. It's
2: amazing. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, head to ginamilitia.com and click on Memberships.
1: All right. So let's move on to this week's topic, how to shoot great portraits under extreme time pressure or poor lighting conditions. I mean... Do you
2: reckon people can tell that I make up the titles myself and it's not you that's writing the titles?
1: The th- Do you think people could well, tell the difference? The thing is that this actually does happen very frequently. Yes. And, yes. you know, sometimes you do have all the time in the world, and that's great if that happens, but often you don't. You and I have been on many shoots where sometimes you get barely five minutes with the subject, yes. and because you're limited as to where you can shoot them, sometimes there is there are poor lighting conditions. So yes. I actually think this is very, very practical and very useful because you'll be surprised, listeners will be surprised as to how frequently this will happen. Um so yep. where do we start with this one?
2: Yeah and and it is this is coming from uh you know real world experience years and years and years and even at the shooting at the top end the 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 thing that i hear the most is okay so we're going to give you two hours to do this shoot. We've got plenty of time. Da, 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 and then always, like I know it, like clockwork. Uh, so there's been a bit of change mm-hmm. in the schedule. You know, marketing needs a bit more time and they're running late on set. So, yeah, yeah can you get those three covers in five minutes? And, um, oh, ah. You know that location that we originally agreed on? Yeah, there's a truck in front of it. So uh, we're just going to have to do it here. So it never, ever works out as well as what we always planned ahead of time. And so where a lot of... uh, you know, newer photographers get flustered is often like you'll do, uh, y- you know, y- you'll do the beautiful uh, folio shoot where it'll be you and the makeup artist and you'll have the model and you'll have days <laughs> to experiment. <laughs> and it's like such a luxury and, and and a great thing to do because this is a great way to build your confidence. You shouldn't be shooting folio under this sort of yeah. pressure. You should have all day where everyone just, you know, like a tradesman, scratches their agates and <laughs> thinks, you know, because that, that's how tradesmen like to – that's how they think, right? Because <laughs> they can't speak and – right? So, um, anyway <laughs> –
1: I don't know what kind of tradesmen we're talking, you to. we were Janet. talking
2: about tradesmen before, Val, yeah. and that's all I can think about whenever I think about tradesmen. Okay. Like, you know, when they're, they're giving you a quote, they look you straight in the eye. Anyway, so – Okay. Um, but it is, it is like a lovely luxury to have all day to think about, to tweak the lighting, to change modifiers, to change direction of light. That's what's great about working with Folio. And you would hope that this was the case on any gig that you do. But even if it's like, uh, you know, a friend who wants a headshot or, you know, Mm. it's a a new client that that they they want something done, it's always under pressure and the lighting never plays. Like you you get every now and then the photography gods will gift you great light. You take that, you thank the photography gods and you take a great photo, but... Not not always the case. Yeah. So and, or, and you don't always get the luxury. And it is a luxury of nominating what time you want to shoot because it's like you're dealing with lots of different people's schedules. So often it's like, yeah, we're going to do it at uh, midday and you've got five minutes. <laughs> so I thought I would um, do a deep dive. I thought you and I this week would do a deep dive yeah. on uh, some of the strategies that people can use that are going to help them – working under pressure extreme time pressure in poor lighting conditions so um i thought we'd start val with scouting locations so the thing is it's like when you're doing a shoot everything comes down to the planning the more you plan the easier it's going to be so if you just turn up with maybe like the minimum that you do is charge your batteries and bring a card and some people that's not even they don't even do that they're like oh forgot to put a card in the camera. So we can back up Hmm. and we've done full episodes on everything you should do leading up to uh, to a shoot. Mm. And I've even got a checklist available that you can tick off before you shoot. So assuming you're going to do that minimum of checking all your gear, the next thing that I strongly encourage everyone does is you go and scout the location ahead of time if you can and scout the location at the same time of day that you're going to be doing the shoot now as you get more experienced you can actually turn up to a location and you will immediately know where the good light Mm. is but when you're just starting out don't take that pressure off you and it's like you're going to sleep better the night before the shoot for a start when you've been to the location and you know for a fact that you've found a great um a great area to shoot and so You go there at the same time that you're going to be shooting. And if you know you're going to be time poor, then and and if you've got some flexibility in choosing the time of day, then I actually recommend that you shoot early in the morning rather than late in the afternoon. Now, I know everybody loves the sunset in the background. Quite frankly, I think they're overrated. (laughs) I think it's overdone. Mm -hmm. And the other thing about the sunset is you have literally like a three minute oh, four oh minute no. window to get the shot yeah. you had that experience uh, a couple of weeks ago right with your sunset shoot yeah. that you were directing right yeah. um and so it's the light goes from grape to kaka in in seconds yes. and and you, you never, ever guaranteed a good sunset. You can be looking all day right. going, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great sunset. You can be down there and all the old timers going, yeah, yeah, it's going to be a great sunset. And it looks great. It starts out great and then it just fizzes to nothing yeah. and you don't get the colour. and it just And then the light goes from that beautiful golden hour to just caca hour. Mm in seconds. So you need to be so that is pressure that a photographer doesn't need. Yeah. When you choose to shoot early in the morning, you still get you get lovely soft light. So by soft light I mean that the difference between the transition from your shadows to your highlights isn't that extreme. So you're going to get like lots of detail through shadows and highlights when you're shooting early in the morning and you've got time. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not you know battling the clock and the sun as the sun's going down so i would recommend to make it easier shoot in the morning early in the morning and check out all your backgrounds and look for because when you the sun is low in the sky you've got the option to shoot backlit Mm -hmm. okay so you don't have the sun directly overhead and then what you want to be doing is looking around the locations for simple background choices that you can do so what's a really good thing to do uh and like i've often brought my um uh, like a a light stand or something that i'll put in the shot if i don't have an assistant with me when i'm scouting Mm -hmm. and you just put it in front of each location you can take a shot focus on the light stand so you know what your background is going to Look like at your desired f stop, right? And if you want, you could put that little styrofoam head on the top of it, but you might get some strange (laughs) looks. Not everyone's got the confidence to do that. So putting a light stand there works, or sometimes I just put my tripod there Mm -hmm. in the position of the person so you can get a sense of. What that shot would look like, and then you can sort of go. All right, so I've got this option, and you want to give yourself maybe you know that the the hero option, and then a couple of backups, so that you can do maybe three shots in the one location. And you look for locations that have got everything within a short uh, distance, you know, a matter yeah. of meters, so you can move from shot to shot to shot. And don't go, um, you know, don't be too excited about spectacular backdrops Mm -hmm. because it's like you know we get caught up in the the beauty of the the background it's not really all that important you know it doesn't the 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 simpler the better and uh, often you know when the client's involved and they don't have any experience with photography they'll they'll make you drive to some you know beautiful beach location where it's like oh the views are spectacular and by the time you've lit your person and and framed it up you, you, you could be anywhere so you know save yourself you know having to trek up mountains and go to these locations that end up you know being not fantastic as backdrops and instead go for sim- simplicity and uh, i've talked about this before where i've taken you know clients to the side of a, a you know a hardware store and much to their disgust mm. but then you show them on the camera and you go but this background looks really good yeah. when it's thrown out of focus or an alleyway or things like that so as a starting point, make sure when you're scouting that location that you simplify everything, go and make sure that you've seen it ahead of time and make it easier on yourself by finding those uh, the, you know the early morning light rather than the hard light. But that's not always the case. Is that is that Rexy? Rocky? So yeah, sorry, Ron, that's my cat Rocky. I don't know what so, he's meowing about. Did he not like what I was saying? <laughs> Does he disagree? Oh, or does he want to say something? It's okay. I think you can go on. <laughs> okay. Just just checking, because you know, I, I defer to Robin. Yeah, of um I think he wanted to say <laughs> that one of the next points that we should talk about is understanding daylight. Okay. All right. So um, what is really important if you're going to be able to shoot under extreme pressure is finding that light finding the good light and if you can find the good light you've like 90% of the way there so what I like to do is uh, to be able to work quickly uh, is you either want to backlight your subjects or move them into open shade or if you don't have that option and it's like you know 11 12 1 in the daytime and you're in the middle of a, a soccer pitch or you know a football field and there's no trees and there's no shade what do you do there val Ooh, not sure Ro- rocky huh? you <laughs> make you, you make your own shade so <laughs> this can be as simple as if you've got a single portrait is just getting a uh a diffuser or a reflector Mm -hmm. and getting someone to hold that up over the person. And just a really uh, good tip with that. If you're trying to do a full length and you're trying to shade the person as well, often what will happen is the disc disc, that you're using or the the rectangle or the, the square that you're using to create that shade mm-hmm. is going to be visible in the shadow, right? Mm-hmm. So if you want it to look like it might just happen to be that the person is standing under trees, mm-hmm. a great trick that I was taught by some film crew is what they would do when they were using uh, these sort of uh, diffusers or a a shade maker is they would get uh, bits of limbs of a tree and wrap it around the edge Mm, of the diffuser and so what that does is it makes it look like uh, an organic shape like it's from a tree and you've got this solid shade that you stand a person under And it is critical that you look for solid shade and don't be fooled by dappled light. So Mm. um, when you stand under a canopy of trees, um, there might be little hot spots of sun that get through that you can't always see with the naked eye, right? So what you want to do is even if you um, uh, cusp your hands together, so you create like a you know a larger area surface area two hands together mm. right and then just uh move them around in the light and you'll be able to see the little spots of light of daylight that are uh, hitting your hands and if you've got areas like that then that's not good open shade mm. that's going to be an issue because the camera is going to read that with a lot more contrast than you can see with your naked eye i still don't understand that term naked eye. <laughs> <battle>. <laughs>
1: okay. With just your eye. Bare,
2: with just your eye? You know, but it, it, it's a lot more contrasty. Uh yes. so you want to be able to if you if that's the sort of dappled light you have, then you might want to increase, make sure that the shade is nice and solid mm. and clean shade by adding a diffuser or a a reflector or a sheet of cardboard or my favorite favorite life-saving tool a little bit more expensive you can make your own i've got one called a scrim gym and it's like a one and a half it's like a two meters by one meter rectangle and it's uh white on one side silver on the other and it it all comes apart and packs into a small little bag Mm. so fantastic for location shoots and you can actually make them if you are uh, handy uh, and like a, a trip to the hardware store. You can just get like um, bits of uh, plumbers, plumbers tubing and you can build something very similar. I used to have a, a DIY version for the first few years that I was shooting so and then just get some sailcloth or mm. some material and you've got a, a like an instant diffuser. Great
1: and remember right, you so, know you can always make other things um, just like that. But, you know, sometimes you might be on a shoot and you haven't brought stuff. I was on a shoot once with a photographer who brought nothing of that nature, but we definitely needed a scrim. So uh, we were near a building, so I just went in and took artwork off the walls and <laughs> held it up and used that as the scrim. So you can just use there anything. You go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't have to be yeah, a so- piece of ph- photographic equipment from a from a camera shop you know like i said i just took the artwork off the walls
2: so what's also really handy and something that you should just put in your camera bag and you know in the top of your bag and leave it there is just like a a single bed uh sheet like Mm. you know the flat sheet and so that comes in handy you could use that as a scrim like you could tie it between a couple of trees or something Mm. or rig it somehow or and you can also use that sheet if you've got um a lot of hard light hitting the ground and the ground happens to be grass which is going to reflect green up Mm. into your model so if you put the white sheet down on the ground it also comes in handy if you're photographing you know uh, brides or models in their fancy clothes and you want them to sit down the last thing you want is to put them in a, a mud puddle or you know if the ground's a bit damp so it's always great to have even a couple of sheets don't just go and take the good 1,000 thread <laughs> count sheets out of the cupboard, please, like my son oh did. My please don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, okay. go. like you can get polyester ones. It's not going to matter. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, people aren't going to be sleeping on them. So And they're not that expensive, but well worth having in your kit. So the other thing, if you want to shoot really quickly and you just want to use daylight, uh, I think one of the most important and, – and if it's overcast, right mm-hmm. – even if it's overcast you want to look for the direction of the light and this is something that you can do in your day-to-day life just as you're moving around as a great exercise to help you try and uh, get your head around seeing the light and noticing the light so just as you're going about doing your shopping walking to work or out and about with your friends every now and then just if it's an overcast day Get a sense of where the light source is coming. So if you can imagine, Val, mm. when the cloud's covering the sky, right? Yeah. What's beyond that? What's beyond the On clouds? the other side sun? of the clouds. Yeah, beyond the clouds, Right. Mm. Okay. So the sun's always there. It never goes away. It doesn't, like when the sun goes out, it's not like it puts itself to bed. <laughs> it's always there, right? Mm-hmm. Shining. Mm-hmm. It's just covered by cloud. And so cloud um, in front of the sun is your ultimate Uh, diffuser right it's a huge beautiful diffuser so you want to be able to use that to its advantage so what you want is to look for the direction of the light and that's the direction that you want to be working with so let's say that um, I'm standing and uh, the sun is directly coming from behind me so that the sun I know because you, when you look up at the sky you know where the brighter yeah. area is right? you can tell where the sun kind of the general direction yeah. right? so that's going to give you a beautiful directional light just like if you had a scrim and a light and you shine the light through the scrim and um, onto your model's face mm-hmm. so it's in the same direction so you've got the, the sun coming behind you covered by cloud and it's sending directional light directly onto the model's face the opposite of that is is if you don't pay attention to where the light is you could have the light directly behind your model and so it's not direct it's the the diffused lighting is going to be flat even lighting that's lighting the model but it's not the directional light it's not as beautiful all right so that's that that's just one little trick that's going to make a huge difference in all your photos even if you're you're trying to light someone inside like in a mm. home have a look where is the So, if you've got a choice between the windows on the right hand side of the room or the windows on the left hand side of the room, you always want to go with the light that's um, streaming in from, the, from that direction. So, if it's the light, the sun is on the, outs, on the outside of the house, and I'm, try, I'm trying to actually make a doll's house, and I'm going to get a torch and d- demonstrate this in a video, Val. Okay. I think it's that important so I've just got to build the doll's house but I will (laughs) or I'm looking at hard rubbish and hopefully some little girl would have uh, (laughs) finished with her doll house but just that simple thing that to notice where is the light coming from and to use that directional light is an absolute game changer it's just Really beautiful light source, rather than um, you know just that diffused lighting, which has got honestly a caca quality to mm. it. Do you want to describe caca for some of our new <laughs> listeners who haven't heard that term before, Val? What does it it's mean? It's a
1: technical and scientific term. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it means like bad.
2: It's not great, is no. it? Mm-hmm. No, because it's kind of muddy and it's, it's the, the, the light quality is a dirty light quality. So don't just take my word for it on this. What's really good is if you can, if you've got a couple of days uh, or even a half an hour to spare this week, do the experiment and take your model outside or your styrofoam mm. hat or your, your head or your GI Joe action figure, <laughs> take it outside on an overcast day or inside where you've got window light and try lighting that figure where the sun is outside that window and then um, at a different time of the day where the sun's moved in an arc and it's over the other side of the house, you're still getting light coming in mm-hmm. but it's not directional light and have a look at the difference and um, even post your examples Yeah, Mm -hmm. so you want to be a photographer Facebook group because I think it's a really good experience and experiment to do and it's an absolute game changer to the way that you see light. Another thing that you want to be doing that's going to uh, make a huge difference to shooting in daylight is if you have no choice but to backlight your subjects, you always want to be exposing for the skin tone and not the background if you're not using... Uh, fill flash and so remember that the camera if it's metering is metering reflected light so the light that's bouncing off your subject it's not metering the actual light so when your subject is backlit your camera gets confused by the amount of light that's flooding at the sensor mm. on the camera from the background where the sun is. So what you need to do is a good little trick is if you're trying to photograph someone against a backlit um, background mm-hmm. is take your camera right up into their face and zoom right in so that you're just filling the entire uh, screen with their skin tone only and not the background and that's a better way to get a more accurate reading and then you want to uh, open up either your shutter speed or or increase your ISO or shoot at a slower sh- shutter speed so that you expose for the skin tone and not the background and let the background go and that's a perfectly good sort of fashion look to your photography and that is a quick way uh, to shoot with daylight so if you're under pressure that's what you want to do and these are the things if you're a beginner that you want to practice out and about so if you're taking the dog for a walk you're taking the kids for a walk or you're taking your partner for a walk mm. or you're taking yourself for a walk practice these things practice photographing skin tones backlit mm. and overriding the camera's um inbuilt metering so that you can get uh good looking skin tones it's a it's a great thing to practice very handy one All right?
1: to, to practice
2: Yes, okay, so um, now if if uh, you want to take your photography to the next level and you might have a client that wants you to do a whole series of fashion shots or a whole series of portraits out and about and you want to take that work to the next level, then you want to introduce a bit of fill Flash. And even if you've got a beautiful overcast day valve, mm-hmm. right, where everything looks great, just adding that little duk. What's a duck, Val, for our new listeners? It's a little tiny bit of light. Yes, yeah, so that that's the official term <laughs> that I've invented for a yes yeah, small I'm the amount Gina of light. Dictionary. You are the Gina Dictionary <laughs> today. So, if you're going to be using fill light, and the client, the people that you're working for, want you to do a lot of different shots on the day. I recommend that you choose the right modifier, and by the right modifier, I recommend that you sh- you in this instance when you don't have a lot of time, okay, and you need to get multiple shots on the day cover yourself by making it a lot easier on yourself and use a soft light modifier rather than this is not the time to get the beauty dish or the grid spot out and the reason i say this is a light modifier like a beauty dish or a grid spot both hard light modifiers and they are beautiful they are my preferred light modifiers but not if I don't have a lot of time mm. and, and not if I don't have to do multiple shots in the day. And the reason is that if you move a beauty dish millimetres, yeah. bees, pippies <laughs> is another light measure. All right. Mm-hmm. And these are exact ex- instructions that I call, a tiny call out to my assistants, mm-hmm. lift the light, two bees, pippies or one bees, pippy. And they know exactly what I mean by that. You know, um, if you move that, that ref, uh, you know, a, a beauty dish or a, a, a grid spot a tiny amount. So when I say grid spot, it's not a grid spot on a an octobox. I'm talking about a grid spot directly over naked flash as opposed to naked <laughs> eyes, right? So... Um, millimeters uh what's the other version of what's a what's a little bit less than an inch what's uh, what's the what's the measurement called really after inch a good point. what is it smaller than inch because i don't know what it is because we know we've got centimeters millimeters say, like, of an inch we're gonna or? we're gonna can you can you Oh, you just go in quarters and i don't know, there isn't a smaller measurement i need to know all now. right
1: i will research it
2: i will talk while you google that mm-hmm so but moving a um a, a beauty dish or a a, a grid spot uh, a quarter inch eighth an inch uh, an inch makes uh, or centimeters radically changes the look of the light. and so if you're working with people who are at different heights uh, different skin tones um, and and different locations and and you're also say you're you've got an assistant who you're um, backing to have that light in the same angle every time. Plus, you add pressure to the shoot. Uh, you're not going to get consistency in your photos. So these these modifiers are fantastic, but you need time to be able to tweak the lights. And uh, have you found the measurement Yeah, so valve? it's like quarter of an inch,
1: you know, one-eighth oh, of, of an inch, but sixteenth of an
2: inch, seven-eighths of
1: an inch, fifteen-sixteenths of an inch.
2: So you could have one-one-twenty-eighth of an inch. Well, I guess, but on a ruler I think Although it goes many- to sixteen. I so say they're like okay. Well, there you go. We learned something. To, it's more than just a photography podcast. Yeah. Isn't it? Although Americans are
1: probably listening
2: uh, to, to think this, think thinking idiots. this is like duh. <laughs> duh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, the modifier that I recommend when you're under pressure is a double diffused softbox or an octa box. Now. What's the difference between a softbox and an octobox Is the shape. So an octobox is eight sided, uh, a softbox has four sides. So that's the difference. And the uh, really the light that you get is similar, but the shape of the, um, the catch light is going to change and so the double diffusion is um is means that the, the light is nice and soft and there's lots of room for error so that if you if you're you know a couple of in- inches or a couple of you know several centimeters out of whack it's not going to matter and you're going to get that beautiful consistency and it means that you can work really quickly and you're not going to get like lots of shadowing uh, no shadows and things like that so the double diffused octa now if you've already bought an octa box and you went for the cheaper ones the cheaper ones only have a single layer of diffusion on the outside and you want to make your octa box Double diffused, all you need to do is get one of those five-in-one reflectors, Val, and Mm -hmm. on the inside, you take the outside off. The inside is a diffuser panel, and you can either – you can clamp that to the outside of your octabox, and now you've got something similar to a double diffused, and that that will save your uh, bacon for the the shoot. So, um, again, make it easy for yourself when you – even if you have fill flash – Keep position the model into open shade as well because then you're not having to fight sunlight. So make it easy on yourself. The other thing that you want to do is, um, you know, you can still use backlight and then fill fill forward. Use the open shade. And one thing that you want to work watch out for when you're working with backlighting and models is blown highlights. And this is particularly evident when you've got someone with uh, very light, like silver hair or blonde hair if you've got a lot too much sunlight there and you overexpose that you're never going to be able to reclaim that so that's something that you need to be mindful of when you're shooting that and the other thing is um bald balding heads so like if you lose the detail in the head you'll never get that back and so often when you uh try and process those shots it looks like um they've lost part of their, their head there, mm-hmm. right? So you've got to be really careful. Did you see that Prince William was named sexiest bald man <laughs> on the planet? Did you see no. that? Yeah. We've got to be careful because I think that Kate actually listens to the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you noticed how good her photography is getting? Yes, it's quite good. Yeah, yeah. So, hi, Kate, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, William, yeah, I think he's hot, but my vote for best looking bald head, uh, Stanley Tucci. Are you familiar oh, with yes. his work, Val? Yes, Stanley Tucci's very gifted. Yeah. He's very gifted. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'll say on that. So, um, again, when you're working with fill light, what you want to do is, again, notice where the main light is coming from and always light in the same direction as your main light so that the, the images look like... They were lit naturally by the the available light. So if the sun is coming from the right to left, you want to use your fill light and light from right to left, mm. and that gives your your images a more authentic look. One thing that I see happening a lot is uh, often with fill flash is people overlight their images, and that gives you that um, kind of um, it looks fake. It looks like the background's been dropped in if everything's too bright Mm. and oversaturated. Have you seen that before, Mm, Val? mm. And everything's too too flat. So what you wanna do is if you can offset your light a little bit so that it's on a little bit of an angle. It's called the loop lighting. So you've got a little bit of shadowing uh, on down one side of the face. It doesn't need to be uh, deep and moody shadow, just like a slight bit of shape to the face. And that'll give you a more natural look uh, to your to your uh, to your images. If you want that fashion look that you see uh, in a lot of you know uh, fashion advertising, where everything's kind of blown out, then you don't need to have a detailed background. So what you do is shoot like you were shooting with daylight. So you expose for the skin tone, let the background go, maybe try and retrieve a little bit, and then add a tiny 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 the tiniest amount of fill flash so it's not a duck it's a ping <laughs> is a ping smaller than a duck ping. ping is smaller than a okay. duck you can feel it duck ping okay right? that's the difference so it's just a <laughs> tiny amount and and it's like It kind of does nothing but it does a lot so what it does is like by lighting the skin tone as opposed to using uh daylight it lifts the skin tone a a little bit and uh, where there's shadows you're filling in the shadows and where you've got um shadow in an image that's lit is you, you're going to reduce the amount of noise, and it's also going to put a little catch light in the eyes, which is really important. And you think that it's kind of a waste of time. You don't need it. The daylight looks great. If you saw the difference between, you know, that it's it's production value. Not you know, I bang on about my new favorite show, Val, which is Riviera, <laughs> right? And I love it because it's uh, the the the. It's it's a travel porn for me. Yeah. Like I'm seeing all these amazing locations that I'm missing. The storylines, eh? <laughs> the clothes, the cars. Mm-hmm. It's great, yes. but I cannot deal with how underlit this show I is. Know. It's d- so and and the production value of a show is is dictated by the lighting, mm. right? So when you see a movie, a TV show that's beautifully lit, you know they've spent big bucks on it mm. when you see something that's um you know they, they're churning them out really quickly they're just using available light and you can tell the difference like you can see like the the skin tones look muddy there's shadows everywhere and it's just not as beautiful so like i, I I highly recommend that you invest that little bit of extra time and just add that even that little ping of light into that the, just having that little catch light and just lifting those skin. They're one percenters, mm. but they all add up and it makes for a great shot. If you want to create something a bit artier, then you've got the you've got the ability to actually underlight the background. So you expose for the background, drop the exposure all the way down, and then you add a little Duke, Duke. like a larger measure of light, dook of light into the face, offset it a little bit so you've got the shadow and you've got that um, moodier look. But working with, do yourselves a favour, ditch the beauty light for the fast shoots and get yourself the double diffused uh, softbox, mm. or small softbox or box, and then position your models in the open shade or backlight, and that is going to make a huge difference to how your images look, all right? So oh. that's getting everything done. Now, just uh, quickly on um, you know uh, posing and directing oh, yeah. uh, when you're on the run as well. <clears throat> so um, even though you're in a hurry, and we talked about this at the top of the show. I asked you all about Hamilton, Val. And I talked about the importance of that connection mm. when you meet someone. So this is something that, you know, you're not always going to be great at it. And definitely when I started out, I was pretty klutzy in my opening mm. connection and trying to find that point of connection. But the more I do it and the more I practice and now just as a habit and uh, it's something that I do is I try and connect with, you know... Everyone that I meet from day to day, if I'm in that mood, Val, if I'm not in a mood, then i just hide in the corner. But as you know, (laughs) but it's great to try and um, find a common ground with people. So this is something that you can practice for all the introverts that are listening. Mm. And the thought of striking up a conversation with a stranger just makes you want to vomit in your hand. Mm -hmm. Then um, what you can do... Or in your mouth is just practice uh, connecting with strangers. So it might be that the 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 person that serves you in the bread shop, rather than going thanks, taking your change and leaving, you can go try and strike up a conversation. Now you might fail miserably. So if you think that's going to be embarrassing, go two towns out from where you live where no one knows you and maybe practice the first few where you don't have to see them ever again you know until you get it right because it's all in the practicing but but you want to make sure that when you're talking to someone that you're being authentic and you're not pulling the photographer oh my god you look so amazing you know don't be that person um it, just because it worked for one photographer that you saw on a movie once that you know don't don't just don't uh so if you notice genuinely that someone has lovely colored eyes or you happen to like that a brooch that they're wearing or their shoes or whatever it is if you can say that authentically then that's a great way to connect and saying something is better than saying nothing mm. and the word have you ever had the experience Val where you a f- photographer has said nothing to you and just taking photos no but i've watched photographers
1: do it to other people
2: and it's really unsettling everybody no matter what level whether they're a supermodel or it's their first time in front of the camera needs feedback so give the feedback even if it's just that's great yeah that looks great thank you that looks amazing i like when you put the hand like that yes that that's great. Mm. And just be enthusiastic about it because remember that, that that's what you would want if you were in the same position. Yeah. And I, I, I encourage you all, if you, ha- if you have never done this, go and get a professional shoot with another photographer. Um and just to have the experience of what it's like to be in front of the camera because that's going to change everything yes, about how so you true. work as a photographer because you'll finally understand, A, how vulnerable the model yeah. feels in front of the camera and, B, hopefully you get get a photo shoot with someone who's great at directing and then go to someone who's not so great so you can see yeah. how the difference, difference feels and what, what good direction can make to a shot uh one thing and this is uh, i guess this is for everyone but it's like um um when i when i was first starting out i val i used to get really nervous Mm -hmm. when i was directing and i was so nervous that i would my voice would shake You know, and it's really hard to control that. Like, did you have the, the stuff when, you know, you were interviewing for a job? Oh, or, yeah, for sure. Or do you, and you could feel yourself and like you'd be shaking a little bit as mm. well and you, your voice would be not that strong. Mm. And so the only way to get rid of that is to just keep doing yes. it until it, it becomes second nature. So trust me. This doesn't last. It's a phase, and the more you keep uh, directing people and doing these kinds of shoots, the more it becomes the new norm for you, and you won't be as as nervous. Yep. Uh, as you were when you were a more experienced photographer. So, you know, that that helps. And the other thing, and I think this is like mostly um, for people with higher voices, uh, is so like I found that if I, you know, to try and control a group, if I tried to um, speak louder, my voice would become shrill, mm. you know. Okay, no, 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 God. and And no one wants to listen to mm. that. So if you've got a higher voice, And you know that when you try and speak louder your voice becomes shrill just try and practice lowering your voice instead Mm. and speaking softly and that will command everyone's attention and even though you don't feel confident it's going to make you look confident so it's kind of like faking it till you're making Mm. it just trying to lower your voice a little bit really helps Mm. slow down breathe and this is a big one this is across the board val everything that you're doing slow down and every photographer when they're starting out thinks that they need to rush through everything Mm. because you're being judged and and a professional does it really fast not the case if you've ever watched professionals take photos it's like watching paint dry Mm. they are so slow and deliberate because there's a lot riding on getting the shot they check the focus They check the composition. They have a conversation about whether that shirt should be tucked in or untucked. How long does it take Val? It takes forever, Mm. doesn't it? There's a lot of discussion. That's what professionals do. Don't ever feel unprofessional for doing all of those things because it's better to just say, hang on guys. I'm just checking focus. I'm just checking composition. I'm just checking that there's nothing growing out (laughs) of the back of the head. Better to hold up the shoot at that Mm. moment and take an extra 30 seconds then yep. to have to call up the client and go, I stuffed yep. the whole thing up, Yeah. you know? So if you think that's embarrassing, not nearly as embarrassing as having to make that uh, call. Yeah. So my point of this is you think that everyone's judging you, you know, while you're taking the photo. Guess what? No, They're no. not because they're just as nervous as yeah. you are. And what everybody in the world is thinking about <laughs> is themselves. <laughs> so everything, your internal monologue that, oh, my God, they think I'm they think I'm slow or they think I'm too fast or they don't like what I'm doing, that's exactly what the model's thinking. I wonder if I'm doing an okay job. Did the photographer think that it, I wonder what the light looks like? Look know, this? Does my bum look big in Does my bum look big in these? Although that's a, actually a good thing.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: we grew up in the wrong generation we were ripped off you know because we wanted that's a whole other story anyway it is a whole other story so (laughs) um forget about what everyone's thinking and just focus on what you're doing and finally for the whole thing your energy dictates how the whole shoot goes so you're you're running the whole shoot so you want to be excited and you want to keep that energy level up it doesn't have to be ridiculous because that's really annoying you don't want to be that person that's like let's go (laughs) no but just be genuinely excited to be there and confident and uh that's going to flow through the entire shoot and you get back what you put in so hopefully those little tips will help you working under pressure in poor lighting this is great
1: wow so many value bombs there and um a lot of really um useful tips a lot of um stuff i think people will need to listen twice to get some of those things all sorted in their brains fantastic really good
2: and do practice do like you know I say this this is the under pressure stuff but the more you do the folio building and that's in a and it's like I still encourage you especially if you're just starting out to take all of that pressure away and do it in in the comfort of your home in your own time when there's no one looking over your shoulder and if you're doing it one-on-one particularly if you get nervous when there's people watching you i get it okay i've been there what you can do is in that situation let's say day one it's like okay i set up my camera put it on the tripod i I found the light i lit the shot i got it it took me 15 minutes Mm. i'm gonna do it again tomorrow And I'm going to see if I can do it in 14 minutes. Yeah. And then I'm going to try and do it. I'm going to take myself to a completely different place that I've never been before. And I'm going to look and I'm going to say, where's the good light here? Mm-hmm. Where would I put my model? Is this open shade? And and then continue to test yourself and then keep putting yourself under pressure and this is stuff you can do even if you still i know there's people in the uk still in lockdown poor old brisbane's gone into lockdown for a few days these are things you can do even if you can't get outside test yourself and push yourself because these are the skills like muscles that you're going to build and when you do get in that situation where you put under pressure you're going to be able to deliver brilliant
1: fantastic okay well excellent episode thank you gina
2: um thanks what are you
1: doing in the coming week until we chat again
2: i am photographing farmers Mm. so i've got a few different uh, locations to visit over the course of this week and it is a big deal val because i just got this whole list of things so because i'm going to one particular farm i have to make sure that uh, i wear completely different shoes to the shoes Mm. i wore at a different farm and um, i have to declare if i have any chickens sadly foxes took care of all Mm. my chickens unfortunately but if i had chickens i wouldn't be allowed to visit a chicken farm because of all the biohazards they take it very very seriously Mm. and then when i get there so so far some of these gigs i've worn the complete bee beekeepers thing, the whole Mm -hmm. outfit. I wore that. That was fun. So apparently I've got to wear the whole overalls and things to cover my shoes, you know. I love the variety in your shoes because there's
1: farmers next week and we were talking before we started recording. I was on set. That you were on set (laughs) at at one of Australia's television shows um, last week. So very, very diverse. All right, Fantastic. It
2: is. It's great. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing, Battle? I don't know, Gina.
1: All the days of running into one at the (laughs) moment. No. It's um, I uh, I I can't
2: even keep up with my to do list, but um, I'll let you know next time we chat. But you will be uh, probably so when when you finish watching Hamilton, did you go home and did you play the uh, soundtrack in the car on the of way course. home and the next day? Yes, yes. of course, yes, of mm. course. So will there be a bit of more Hamilton possibly, possibly. in your life over the next yes. few days? Excellent, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> All right, where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at GinaMilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media, including Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so come and say hi if you come on. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, like lots of the goldies are doing right now, I'd love the opportunity to work with you. Just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Membership. What about you, You'll Val? find me
1: at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time.
2: Thanks, guys.
0: Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, Visit Ginamilitia.com.